0: Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas with a simple goal of following Jesus together, and we hope this message helps you in doing just that.
1: All right, I'm going to read our scripture reading for this morning. It's from Galatians 3, uh, verses 23 through 28. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, we have the privilege of hearing from one of our very own Vine community member, Jamie McCord. Jamie and her family have been a part of the Vine since the very beginning as members of the launch team. And she works in e commerce for our beloved HEB. Um, And she and her husband, Scott, have three adorable kids and one more on the way. Um, Jamie leads the Finds Leadership Team, which is the governing body for our church, and she has done so for the past two years. She has put so much of her time, her heart, her energy, and her talents into this community. And I think I can confidently say that we don't know how good we have it with Jamie McCord in this community. I'm so excited to hear what she has to share with us today. So please join me in welcoming Jamie.
0: Thanks, Katie. Good morning, y'all. It's great to be with you this morning. Um, like Katie said, for those of you who hadn't had the chance to meet, I'm Jamie McCord, and my husband, Scott, and I have been part of the Vine since its launch. Um, in fact, the birthday of the church is a marker for our family and our lives as parents. As on launch Sunday, five years ago, our oldest, tie was five days old. Here's a little picture of him in that wrap. Um, and I remember that morning, a sweet little girl came up to me and remarked, your bump moved up. <laughs> but it's hard to believe that little guy starts kindergarten this week. And we have two more kiddos and one on the way. So I've also had the privilege, like Katie mentioned, being on the Vines leadership team, which has been a joy and a blessing over the past few years. And like she said, I also have the blessing of getting groceries to lots of Texans across the state uh, during the week as my job. Um, I'm so glad to be with you this morning, and I'd love to start with a prayer. Will you pray with me? Dear God, I come to you this morning so thankful for this community, and I pray that you would speak through me, that my words would be your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Alright, so this morning we're continuing in our series on Galatians, Paul's letter to the churches of Galatia. So Mark mentioned a couple weeks ago when we started this sermon that this letter finds Paul a bit exasperated with the churches of Galatia. Their their behavior since he left is not what he uh, had expected. So chapter 3, which we're going to walk through today, starts out like this. You crazy Galatians, Did someone put a spell on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened, for it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. And I wanted to start here just to say that just as this passage today may be a wake-up call for some of us, Paul was clearly hoping that it would be for the people of Galatia. And Paul has a central theme in this chapter, which continues from chapter 2, which Mark preached on last week, of being saved by faith and not by works. And he uses multiple approaches to get this point across, underscoring its true importance. So this morning, we're going to walk through one of these, which Katie read, and unpack it together, starting in verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept in custody under the law. Confined for the faith which should afterwards be revealed. This term custody can have a negative connotation in our society, but the Greek word that it comes from is phureo. This means to keep or guard like a shepherd watching over their flock. And in the same way, confinement is not meant as an oppressive or as an oppressor, but rather that of a protector keeping us safe. So God kept us safe by giving us a law to avoid danger. But then Paul goes on to say in verse 24, so the law was our guardian until Christ came, that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. When Christ came, the focus changed from salvation by merit and following the law to salvation by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. This is so countercultural that it can be hard to wrap our minds around. So Scott and I recently returned uh, from an actual vacation, which is what I, as a parent, I call it when I don't have to take my kids. Um, So we got away for a few days in Bend, Oregon. And while there, we had the chance to go on a fly fishing trip. About six hours into the day, we hadn't caught a single fish. I was feeling very unsuccessful and a bit frustrated. And we ate lunch. Some other fishermen stopped by and asked how the day was going. If I had answered them, I would have said, pretty awful, I'm hot, tired, have caught zero fish. But our guide quickly responded, there's not a bad day when you're fishing. His response woke me from my grumbling and reminded me of this passage. We are good in God's eyes, not because of our achievements and what we've done, or even our striving, but solely because of our faith. It is a good day, not because of a bountiful fishing haul, but simply because we were out on the water fishing, and not chasing kids, in our case. To reiterate what Mark said last week, we are saved by our faith, and the outcome of that is that we want to obey And please God, not the other way around. Paul goes on to say, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. It is not enough that we are saved by our faith, but He also invites us as heirs into His kingdom, adopted into the family. God doesn't desire our performance but he does want that relationship with us. And I want you to take a look at the tense in which Paul uses in this passage. You are all children of God. Believers are already full sons, daughters of God. It is not something that we have to achieve. This personal relationship is very different from thinking about those words we talked about earlier, like custody and the law. I believe that God knew leaving behind our performance-focused achievement-based identity would be difficult, and so he promised to be with us, and he invited us into a deeper relationship, one where he walks alongside us and guides us as we get lost along the way, just as a parent would with a child. Then Paul spoke of baptism into Christ as an act of identification where people stripped off old clothes and were given new garments. I know for me, personally, there is a constant temptation to instead clothe myself with the values of this world. The world teaches us to clothe ourselves in power, comfort, success, physical appearance, and wealth. This is something I've personally wrestled with multiple occasions in my own relationship with Christ. One particular time that stands out in my mind was about eight years ago. After working at a startup here in Austin, where I considered the CEO a good friend and knew everyone's name, I had accepted a new job at Amazon in Seattle. After one week of living in this new city by myself, whilst Scott packed up our lives here in Austin, and going to work each day where I knew no one, and no one knew me, I realized that everything I had done up until that point didn't matter anymore. I had gone from someone who had earned the respect of leadership and was often asked to help with critical projects to just one of over a million employees. And I came to the harsh realization that I had clothed myself in my career successes and my work identity. And when the clothes of this world were stripped away and I had to start over, I was forced to reckon with why had I placed so much value on them in the first place, and in turn, so little value in Christ. I had reprioritized my life without even consciously realizing it. The great news is that Christ continues to pursue a relationship with us, even when we stray from him. I am still frequently tempted with that achievement mentality that we are surrounded by, But clothing myself in Christ, grounding myself in his fatherly love, gives me so much hope. Tim Keller wrote a book um, called Galatians for You, and he says this about the concept of clothing ourselves in Christ. This idea of clothing ourselves with Christ implies four amazing things. Number one, our primary identity is in Christ. Our clothing tells people who we are. Number two, the closeness of our relationship to Christ. Your clothes are kept closer to you than any other possession, which calls us to a moment-by-moment dependence and awareness of Christ. Three, the imitation of Christ. We are in his likeness. We are to dress up like Jesus. Four, our acceptability. God covers our nakedness, and Jesus has given us his righteousness, his perfection, to wear. Tim goes on to say, this goes so far beyond the keeping of rules and regulations. It goes beyond even simple obedience. It is to be in love with him, bathed in him, awash in him. This closeness with Christ that comes from accepting that we are his children and clothing ourselves in him, frees us of the need to strive for his love and even the acceptance of this world. Paul wraps up this chapter with another sweet truth that in this day and age is a welcome reminder. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free man. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In Christ and our faith in him, We are not only saved and sons and daughters, but we are also united together in community. All barriers and differences amongst us cease to divide us. And this type of unity is something Jesus prayed for as well. We take a look at John chapter 17. Jesus said, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, that they may be perfected into one. This unity can feel like a stark contrast to the world we live in today, where topics like vaccinated, unvaccinated, traditional, affirming, black or white, Democrat, Republican, masked or unmasked, can very easily divide us. And unfortunately, this is true not just in the world, but sadly also in the church. Despite a shared faith in Christ, there have been topics in each generation that have divided the church, caused denominations to split, ultimately broken the oneness that we are called to as believers in Christ. Here at the vine, it is our hope and prayer that we will demonstrate unity in Christ, not only to those who call this community their church home, but also as a demonstration of Christ to the world, just as Jesus said, so that the world may believe that you sent us, that you sent him, through our love and through our unity. One tangible way, here at the vine that we seek to embody this oneness is through one of our distinctives that we refer to as the third way. This is a posture that I, along with the rest of the leadership team, had the honor and challenge of drafting a bit of over a year ago. After much discernment and discussion, this serves as our stance on human sexuality and inclusion. As part of the third way, we believe that faithful people will, con- will and will continue to come to different conclusions in the interpretation of scripture. We commit to trusting and respecting one another, prioritizing loving well over being right, which I know can be really difficult for us as humans. We desire to provide a refuge of inclusion and unity where we seek empathy over certainty and unity in following Jesus within the essentials of our faith. It is our belief that this is what oneness in Jesus looks like, and we would love to invite you into this community where we can respectfully wrestle with the issues of this day while embracing those we disagree with. Our prayer is that this kind of love defines us and that there will be no stumbling blocks in our church other than the radical and unconditional love of Jesus. I know for me personally, Having been a part of this posture and adopting it myself is a focus on the centrality of Christ that has led me to hopefully be more Christ-like in welcoming doing life with those who may be on the other side of a topic or may not look the same way that I do. This chapter is full of Paul's powerful words. And I pray that God would wake us up to these two amazing truths. Jesus came so that our faith in him would be sufficient. Being clothed in Christ replaces our striving. And that our faith, in our faith, we are children of God, united as one. The differences in our culture and world will not divide us so long as we are one in Christ. Let us pray. Dear Father, we come to you as your children in need of your grace. Grace when we judge those around us by their stance on an issue. Grace when we are tempted to prioritize our lives to achieve success by the world's definition instead of prioritizing our relationship with you. God, I pray that we would feel your nearness And that we would be clothed in your love. In Jesus' name.